Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, July the 29th, 2023. It is the feast, well, it's newly been named by the Holy Father, Pope Francis, the feast of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Traditionally, this has been the feast of St. Martha. For our reading today, we have a few options, and I'd like to read a reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. So, this is an interesting uh, scenario here, understanding who Martha is, as well as Lazarus, her brother, and Mary, her sister. Up until recent times, the papacy of Saint Fra- uh, Saint <laughs> Pope Francis, um, we've only celebrated on this day the feast of Saint Martha. Why is that? And especially when you consider the reading that we just heard, Jesus is giving Martha a very gentle rebuke and praising her sister Mary. You would think out of the three, Mary would be the saint, but Martha gets the feast day. Why does Mary not have a feast day up until recently? And I mentioned this in an earlier podcast. It's traditionally believed, although we don't have 100% certainty of this, It's still believed through the tradition with a small t that Mary of Bethany is Mary Magdalene. They're the same person. One of the reasons for that is these passages that have Jesus uh, being anointed with oil and a woman washes his feet with her tears and then dries them with her hair. And there's a few different passages where similar things happen. In one of those passages, it says it's a prostitute. In another passage, it says it's Mary Magdalene. In another passage, it says it's Mary of Bethany. Is it possible it happened different times, different places, in different ways? Sure. And if that's the case, okay, maybe these are two different Marys. We never see these Marys together, though. And you'd think that Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus, faithfully listening, would have come to the cross. But we only see Mary Magdalene out of these two at the cross. Um, so we don't know. We don't know for sure. It's very possible. What I'm saying is that Mary of Bethany and Mary Magdalene are the same person. Um, but since we don't know, Pope Francis added Mary of Bethany to this feast day in addition to Lazarus. Now, why was Lazarus never made a saint? I don't know. Maybe because there's no record of him doing anything other than dying and Jesus raises him from the dead. So he was a friend of Jesus. Um, And, you know, with so many of the older saints, especially those that were in the Bible, the church over the centuries has simply referred to them as saint. For example, Peter, Matthew, etc., the apostles, Mary Magdalene. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) There was no formal canonization process in the early centuries. That came later. 
Now we have a formal process that they go through and the Vatican investigates and there's a number of miracles that they need. But in those early centuries, they didn't do that. So St. Paul is simply called St. Paul through the tradition over the centuries. He's known as St. Paul, the same with so many others. So St. Martha was traditionally just known as St. Martha. She's the one that served Jesus. There's another scene where Lazarus has died. And it's just interesting to notice their personalities. It's very similar to this reading. You can draw certain conclusions from these readings. Martha runs to Jesus, and in a gentle sort of a way, she kind of tells him off. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Um, Jesus says, well, you know, your brother will rise. She says, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. In other words, yeah, I believe in you, and he will rise. I believe it. We'll all be together again, but I want him back now. And then Jesus simply gives her this new teaching. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, and I, you know, I am the resurrection and the life, etc. I forget the exact words that Jesus says at that moment. It's a different passage. Whereas Mary is simply crying. Mary is simply sad. She also says something similar to that. In fact, it's the other reading for today. Why don't I grab this while we're talking about it? Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Your brother will rise. I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. This is what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, the one who is coming into the world. So Martha is the more proactive one. Mary is the more passive one. It's funny. Mary is always looked at as a model of prayer. She sits at the feet of Jesus. Jesus approaches her and she says something similar. You you know, my brother would not have died if you had been here. And she's sad and it makes Jesus cry. I think like in working in, in a parish, you know, or working in a school, you have certain people that you work with and they're your friends. And then you have certain people that you just connect with. And the connection means more to you than the, uh, the work relationship, even though there's a lot of similarities there. So when the person you're connected with starts to cry, you start to cry as well. It's like, you know, helping a family maybe who, you know, I, I've helped families maybe where a baby died, a child died. And I can keep my composure when I don't know them, when I'm not connected. You know what I mean? I'm doing the work. I'm being compassionate. I'm helping them to the best of my ability. But then if it's someone I'm connected to, oh, it's so hard not to cry because there's a connection. Jesus is connected to Mary. And so that's where we see Jesus becomes perturbed. And then a couple lines later, Jesus wept. And then Jesus answers both of their prayers and raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus knew he was going to do that. That's why he delayed. He wanted to show all the more greatly the power of God. So we have, like I said, there's these two different readings we could have chosen. And now I've read both of them. In the other reading, we have Mary at the feet of Jesus. We have Martha serving. Like I said, Mary has chosen the better part. But in this particular scenario, traditionally speaking, Martha was the one named the saint. She is a patroness of action. She is a patroness of people that do good deeds. Jesus says, whatever you do from your brothers and sisters, from my brothers and sisters, you do for me. 
And so in Martha's case, she's literally doing it for him. She's serving him. And Jesus isn't putting her down for that. Jesus says, you know, in so many words, this is good, but Mary has chosen something better. So in the church, there's place, there is a place for all the Marthas and there is a place for all the Marys. We need both and we need to really be both. I think of St. Catherine of Siena. I'm just, I have some different examples that kind of illustrate the, the importance of St. Martha. Uh, like St. Catherine of Siena, she was called to be a mystic. Jesus revealed to her, I just want you to pray all the time. So she stayed home. She didn't have to go out and work. She refused to get married. This is back in the 1300s. So she stayed home and she had all these mystical experiences and she wrote about them. You can read about them in the dialogue of St. Catherine. So St. Catherine was given a crown of thorns, invisible. She was given a wedding ring from Jesus, invisible. There's all these different things, all these different mystical experiences that she wrote about. And then at one point, Jesus said, now I want you to go out into the world and work. (laughs) He took her out of contemplative life and put her into active life. She still spent many hours in prayer, but she went into active ministry and it was the ministry of nursing. And while she worked in the local hospital, many people were cured through her intercession when she prayed over them. And she helped so many people, even without miracles, miraculously curing them. What is the theme there? The theme was she first was a Mary. She chose the better part. And then God called her to be a Martha. She did both while still maintaining her Mary-ness. And even when she was living at home, She cleaned the house. She took care of everything. She took care of so many things in the home so that her parents would be okay with her living there. So both Martha and Mary are needed. And in our theological reflections, we focus on one or the other. But in reality, we need both. When Mother Teresa uh, got to a point with her sisters not long after the founding, and, and she had already written into the rule that they would do a holy hour every day, And they were very, very busy serving the poor, plus their prayer life, their community life. They got to a point where they said, we're not doing enough for the poor. We need to work harder. We need to accomplish more. So they spent time praying about how can we get more done? How can we help more people? And the conclusion in the end of Mother Teresa and her sisters was, we need to add a second holy hour. They wanted to do more physical labor. So what did they do? What a great act of faith. They said, let's add a holy hour. Why? Because the holy hour sitting at the feet of Jesus gives us the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the grace, etc., to go do the work. So that's what they did. They added more prayer so that they could get more done. It was the same thing in the case of so many other saints. Pope John Paul II, talk about a man who accomplished so many great things. He was all over the world evangelizing everybody. He himself was the new evangelization. At first, his World Youth Days, all the work that he did, all the pro-life work that he did, all the meeting with heads of states, the man was so busy all the time. And yet you talk to the people in the Vatican about his personal life and they said he spent seven hours in prayer every day. That's amazing. But once again, he was able to accomplish everything that he accomplished because of all the time that he spent in prayer. The prayer, the grace of God flowing through him because of his prayer enabled him to do the work. 
So we wish to be good workers, do we? We need to pray more. This is the same in the in the story of St. John Bosco. The man was all over the place. He was in the middle of the night. He was going out into the streets. He was rescuing young boys from the ghetto, from, you know, the gutters, from, from crime. He, he was just, he, he recruited so many young boys into his oratory and eventually into his religious order. And it was his deep prayer life. He spent many long hours in prayer. He was a man of great personal holiness, and that's why he was able to accomplish so much. St. John Vianney, the same thing. He basically transformed the entire country of France from his little parish in ours that nobody even had heard of before him. This was after the French Revolution. He transformed a country. He affected thousands, tens of thousands of souls, and his recipe for success was prayer and fasting spend long hours in prayer, spend a lot of time fasting. And then what happened? Well, his confession line went for 15 hours a day. You know, I don't know how he had time just between confession and prayer, (laughs) but he accomplished so many incredible things and brought so many people back to the church. I don't know when he slept. But this is another point from all this, too. When you hear about these saints doing these miraculous things, they didn't do them by their own power. If you or I said today, oh, I'm just going to work 24-7 and never sleep, and God will sustain me, God's not going to sustain you. That's a stupid thing to do. These people were at a level of holiness that came from their prayer life. So the Lord used them and inspired them and infused them with the grace over time so that they could withstand sleepless nights. I mean, St. John Vianney, you know, if you went without sleep for a certain amount of time, you'd eventually die. But he lived to be an old man. So the Lord works through what we give him. The Lord will inspire each of us to do whatever it is that we're called to do according to our vocation in life. He will give us that grace to perform the miraculous if it is his will, according to his will. So getting back to St. Martha, yes, she's a patroness of action, but you can bet (laughs) she was also contemplative. You can bet she also spent time at the feet of Jesus, especially after Jesus said that to her, using her sister as an example. These sisters, we see them together, and so you know, you can bet that they work together well. They they complemented each other's gifts. They had a lot to teach each other. So today we celebrate St. Martha the Worker, but like I say, St. Pope, Saint, ah, Pope Francis <laughs> has added, I always do that because I just think of St. Francis, you know, who's a great saint and he's awesome. I, <laughs> pope Francis, you know, no other pope has chosen his name until just recently. Anyway, Pope Francis added these others to this feast day to remind us too of the balance, the balance between our prayer and our work. And just remembering God comes first. So the prayer has to come first. And when we look at Lazarus and Mary, we, uh, we see so much there. The miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead and Mary choosing the better part, which is to be in union with Jesus, to listen to him, to stay at his feet. And also, you know, in all this, it's forming a family. There is a family here that we celebrate today. The church is meant to be our family with God as our father, with Mary as our mother. And this is the way Jesus set it up, you know, that we all help each other, that we grow together, ultimately growing into the family that we're meant to be part of in heaven for all of eternity. I hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.